2: Hello, I'm David Evans and welcome to the media series from Wolves Fancast. This is episode two, Club Comms. Now many years ago, a media and communication team at a football club would be just a press officer. But now in this digital age, a media team can have a variety of different talents and skills, not just press officers, PR, videographers, social media executives and more. So how did these departments grow so much and what goes behind the scenes in these teams and what challenges do they face in this digital era? Paul Berry is a former Head of Media Relations and Head of Media at Wolverhampton Wonders Football Club and he sat down with me for this episode to talk about these questions and more. And as with this series, our guest views are their own. So we're going to talk about club comms or media and comms at a club today and kind of how it works. Kind of just, just, just to sum up really, head of media relations, head of media, what do those kind of intel? What would be kind of a typical day-to-day yeah. re- responsibility of those roles? What would you do? I think um,
3: it's a good question. It's a difficult question because there probably isn't really a typical day, I don't think. Um, You're kind of overseeing and responsible for for a lot really, Um, starting with perhaps the external comms, um, you know, in terms of the content that the club puts Mm. out, be that video, be it the website, be it the match day programme, social media, um, you know, photography, Mm. so all of that stuff as head of media, you're kind of overseeing it, but... Um, and this is particularly true at Wolves, you're kind of overseeing it, but there's um, there's just a really good team of people there, uh, you know, creative people, yeah. really, I think, very lucky I was to work with, and a lot of them are still there, you know, high-level social media, mm-hmm. video ph- photography, absolutely brilliant, so you're kind of overseeing it, and you're involved in chatting about things, but almost day-to-day, that almost mm-hmm. runs itself, because you get to a situation with colleagues where everybody knows everyone's on the same page you kind of know what's going to happen before it happens and you're ready for everything so so yeah responsibility for that um, obviously press conferences before and after games uh, match day accreditation all that sort of stuff and again it's that was all split between mm. between the team, but you're kind of responsible for that. Uh, press relations for the kind of key figures, be that um, you know at the moment as it is, be it Jeff Shee, Laurie Dalrymple, Kevin Thelwell. You know you'll get interview requests. You'll kind of oversee their their major activities if you like. Uh, and then also you know you've got the academy as well, which is a you know key part of Wolves and has been for many years, and, and I'm sure will be for many years to yeah, come. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Uh, and then. Obviously, putting together, working with the other departments at the club to make sure they're kind of well catered for. For you, Spilly, well catered for in terms of their messaging out there, mm-hmm. be it ticket campaigns, you know, ticketing information, retail campaigns, the community trust, which do a fabulous job. Um, so, you're working with them constantly as well. So, it's a very, you know, varied a responsibility. Yeah, a lot of stuff. Yeah, a a lot lot of stuff. stuff. Um, and it's actually, you know, once you do it, it's you you find the routine yeah. and obviously lots of different things happen in football all the time but um it
2: just becomes natural really I presume. Yeah,
3: yeah. Yeah. And as as I say at Wolves, very lucky mm. you know, not just in the media department but across the whole club that, to work with some great people who know what they're doing. Um so you know you pick up the phone and talk to people every single day but you kind of almost know you know they've yeah. the same
2: conversations and everybody's on the same page, which is she's which is the main thing really. And how did you how did you get into club comps? You were in journalism beforehand before you came to Wolves. Was it kind of a natural? Was it something you always wanted to do, or did it just kind of fall um, naturally? How did it kind of work yeah, out for a you? A Bit of both,
3: I think. I start. I grew up like many people wanting to be a sports reporter, um, just like a, a written sports reporter as it was in those days before the kind mm. of digital age kicked in. So uh, growing up, doing work experience, all that sort of thing, which to try and get yourself into a good position. Um, tried to get on the Express and Star training scheme twice and got rejected both times. What? So I had to go through a different, uh, <laughs> yeah, different route. So I did a college course at Sutton Coalfield, which is kind of pre-entry in journalism. Got a job at the Bridge North Journal, which was a real, you know, jobs like that in those days were fantastic. You yeah. literally did a bit of everything and it was what... Yeah, you're told to do really, to get a real grounding in loads of different things. Um, from there I went to the Birmingham Mail, initially covered rugby, which I knew very little about, um, and then got uh, a guy that covered Wolves at that time, retired, so I then moved on to covering Wolves, they obviously mm. knew I was a Wolves fan, etc. Um, and I was there for sort of six, seven years, and again, great times there. Um, the days when I think newspapers were still... Sort of dwindling a little bit, but mm. it was still the atmosphere of working in a, a busy sports desk, doing the Sports Argus, you know, phoning through match reports, doing live kind of reports over the phone. I mean, they were, you know, brilliant days. Um, and, yeah, from there again, uh, Lorraine Hennessy, who, wor- who I worked with at Wolves for sort of us I was on the press side, she, she left the club and Matt Grayson, who was then head of marketing Communications, kind of approached me to go for the job, I think, along with a few others. And then I was fortunate enough to get it, and I think... Um, so, obviously, you know, working for Wolves, the club I've supported all my life, yeah. was was a huge honour. And, and, and a it, dream true in some yeah, ways. No, yeah. Definitely, yeah, 100%. Um But also, as I say, I wouldn't say I necessarily grew up wanting to do that, but I suppose mm. the media changed. Uh, I was always one when I was a reporter. I didn't, I struggled, I wasn't the sort of go-getter for getting the big stories or anything like that. I more enjoyed the interviews with people, finding out what made people tick, you mm. know, managers, players. That was my kind of... What I enjoyed, enjoyed doing most, so sort of moving over to a club where that sort of thing was what you needed to do, certainly from the written side, it yeah. kind of suited. Um.
2: And Mikey, or well Mike Taylor mentioned on the first podcast we did that you know there's been that transition in club comms at football where you had that one press officer, mm. and now you've got like a, a massive team of create different disciplines and creative disciplines. Did you kind of see that bigger transition while while you were at war? So kind of see inclusion of more people and the type of things they brought because of, I presume, what the demand may be from digital? Yeah. Or was it kind of just a, a natural growth of I what think, happened?
3: yeah, probably yeah, natural, really. I think when I started, there was, um, as I say, there was Matt Grayson who oversaw the department, uh, but he had to cover a very, a very large area. So there was myself, um, Foz, who obviously sadly passed away, uh, just, just after Christmas, and another guy called Alex Ward. I'm sure you've yeah, yep. seen him on Twitter. So there's the three of us really at that point doing website program, and Alex did the video content. Obviously, no social media when I started, and then I think yeah, gradually during my time it evolved. um Social media obviously came in and is just absolutely huge. Uh, it, it, I think social media changed the complexion of the job completely. Yeah, Because um, yeah. everything is just there. You know, it's out there for everyone to mm. see. Uh, and then video has become more and more important, I think, as well in the digital age. So, yeah. So, Wolves, we'll, you know, it's expanded. It's not expanded massively. The team it's mm. Still, still, um, you know, you know, you're in for a for a good day's work at Wolves because yeah. uh, it's not a huge staff. But as I said before, you know, very, it's a very skilled staff. I've been very fortunate to work with some great people. Um, and so, yeah, a lot of work to be done, but it's it's done well. And mm. I think, yeah, it has certainly the complexion of the job has changed beyond recognition. And, and as head of media as well, it was almost 24-7 towards the end, you mm. never knew what was coming next and you never knew who was going to tweet something next Or and I think it changed as well because new- you start off when I started and you just, newspapers, you are dealing with one deadline a day for a national mm. Express and Star at that time had three or four deadlines in the morning but now literally stories break at any time yeah. don't they? If, if, if someone gets a story at three o'clock in the afternoon they're going to phone you up about it, mm. nine o'clock at night they're going to phone you up about it, seven o'clock in the morning they're going to phone you up about it and that is what you know the whole job complexion change really
2: Was there? Is there was there, or is there in some ways kind of a, a competitiveness between other clubs with social media in terms of trying to outdo each other with just and I'll, I'll go into this in a bit in terms of player announcements yeah. but you always get clubs trying to try and come with these really different varied ways of playing yeah. you know you know, some fun that the silly ones, which I think Motherwell did one recently over January. Then you have the the grand ones like Sanchez at Man United mm. with the piano, and I think West Ham did one with a with a, a Mario play with their with a computer game. But is it just a kind of, cave just stick to our plan? We'll just do our style, or is there is there sometimes a sense not and it may not just be walls that you kind of get a gist with other clubs as well? There's a, a competitiveness, maybe.
3: I think there is, isn't there? Yeah. Um... You know, I'm sure people do try and outdo each other mm. and a lot of clubs will make great take great story in trying to outdo each other and kinda of do something and sing about it and shout about mm. it. Whereas I don't think that's ever been ever been Wolf style. I think you know, certainly you do things, you put out content, you like to think they're nice good pieces mm. of content and if they are, the fans will tell you. You don't need to tell them. I've always thought that with Wolves fans. They never ever try and tell them a way to think don't tell them that this offer's brilliant and this is great and you're going to love this because they know they know what they want yeah. you know the, and with social media they'll tell you exactly <laughs> you soon find out and I just yeah. think you know and that's why I think you'd like to think we kind of knew what the fans were thinking and you try and judge the mood and the tone and, and sometimes it's just a simple announcement sometimes you do have a little bit of fun with it mm. um, but you know and I have to say as well Wolves fans on social media I think have been brilliant for the most part and even yeah. Even going back to the double relegations and there were times when you have to put a tweet out and we just used to say it's like tossing a grenade. <laughs> understandably so, yeah, everyone exactly, was angry yeah. and at that point it was literally, you know, certain things you had to do and you knew what was coming back. But equally there was a lot of um I don't know, you know, humour at that point as mm. well and that kind of kept us going quite. So I kinda found
2: days. I kinda of found that in when we kind of were on Twitter in those early days. There is this style that I think, and, I can, and when I followed other clubs, I kind of saw Wolves doing it more in terms of you might as well just embrace the humour mm. rather than trying to be too serious. So there no. is obviously a time for seriousness, yeah, but even in kind of the not the uh, the middle times between your good and bad, there is a time you can kind of be humorous and have that. I don't know, I hate using the word, but banter as it were between people, Bans, yeah. <laughs> yeah,
3: no, definitely. And I think we were fortunate, and I think I agree with you. I think we were probably, um, and this is down to different people, it's not yeah. me that. One of the first kind of clubs to really do that and to really you know there's, there's a lot of different styles of communication you got your form you know the website mm. was always quite formal yeah, the program was reasonably formal um, and when social media came along, it was something different to embrace and there was chance to have humor and chance to have a bit of fun and mm. and I think we did that you know I think every club does it now um, early days, I think we were probably yeah, took took a stand on doing that and and we're fortunate enough that those people at the club at the time in the higher positions that could see what we're doing and said, yeah, go for it. You know, take a few risks. Mm. Um, that's what it's there for. Get the fans interacting. Yeah. And uh, it worked It worked really well.
2: And talk, just going back to what you said about the bad times, as it yeah. were. You know, in the good times, doing, you know, what you do oh, is probably fantastic. There's probably, I think we spoke before we were recording, and the, there's so many things, more stuff you can do. You can experiment with a lot more things. But in the bad times, especially in that double relegation mm. kind of seasons, it must be really tough to... I guess that the, 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 you, what you would do is just go back to basics or kind of just say, right, we're only going to say this and that, we're not going to try anything out. But is it kind of a tough atmosphere to be in when you can, when you can kind of know where it's going yeah. and trying to then be be a media side of a club on, on that spot without, like you say, throwing a grenade off?
3: Yeah, no, it is difficult and because and there's still certain information you have to put out about mm. tickets and about what, you know, kit going on sale, etc. And as I say... That was sometimes when you just knew what was going to come. And I think, um, yeah, it's, listen, it's difficult. Everything's mm. relative. You're working at a football club. It's a great job to have. But you do have to think really seriously in those times. And, and I think I said to you before, you could have the greatest media and marketing brains in the world if the team gets relegated twice on the spin to go down to League One, there's not really a great deal you can do. Mm. Um, but even so, you still have to think about it. Um, you know, there were times when we'd probably just not even touch social media for two or three days, and you no, know, that was a decision. Sometimes the yes. decision is made we're not going to do anything because they don't want to hear it. Mm. Do you know what I mean? And then, um, but then equally, there's, there is certain things you can do. Obviously, I think that time, as difficult as it was. Um, Kenny Jacket coming in was just mm. perfect and and perfect for us because he kind of gave us a bit of a line.
2: Says what can we do? You know, he wanted to get the fans back mm. on side and um, I think you saw people saw there was a, a new project starting. You, yeah, you could, you could especially from fans, they got this sense that we were kind of. Trying to switch yeah. back to back to square one again, as it were. Exactly, and it, and it worked. It I, you know, I felt like from League One days, it worked. Obviously, winning the league and that all obviously helps. Yeah. But everything in the background that I could see from a media point of view seemed to really click.
3: Well, that was it. I mean, that summer it kind of started. I mean, Kenny turned up, um, and I've never known this with any manager before or head coach. He literally, and the day of his press conference, normally you, you know, you talk to a head coach and manager about what they're going to do, and they'll mm. do. TVs, they'll do a collective radio interview and they'll do a collective written interview, you know, 30 40 minutes. And that day, literally, Kenny spoke to everybody, <coughs> you know, one to one. Um, he must have been, it was a sweltering day. I just remember it now outside at Compton. It, I mean, it must have done two, two and a half hours lit, going around every single, you know, doing the radios individually. It was just mm. unheard of. And I think that was. It, Certainly, get you try and get the media on side, and and that you know they saw what he was trying to do. A uh, few things then, I think, with fans, with his backing. I think some fans were invited to the museum to meet him. Yeah, Again, I remember was, that. Yeah, yeah, it wasn't my idea; that was someone else. But great idea. The run through the city centre, which yeah, um, you know, I remember
2: it, because they have the, the players have GoPros as well on the, That was it. On the, I yeah, mean, yeah, yeah, and you
3: know, you could call it a you know PR thing, and, and mm. to a certain degree, it was. But equally, I think it was. Um, you know, it was a sign. Look, we're gonna we're gonna embrace it. Mm. We've had a bad time. We're from Wolves. We're from Wolverhampton. Let's let's just show people we're not afraid to be mm. running through the town. And um, so yeah, there was just certain little things we tried to do that summer. Um, and looking back, I don't know if you were at the first game of the season at Preston. When the lads were warming up, um, yeah. and they just they started. I think it was Joe Gallon's idea. You know, we'll warm up for players, and then we'll clap the fans at the end of it. And the <coughs> the noise I heard from that roar was just something unbelievable. Mm. And literally, you just sat there before the match, tapping on your laptop. You're not really concentrating on the on what's on the pitch, but literally that roar rent up at Preston from that five thousand mm. fans. And I just I don't know. Without getting too deep, it suddenly felt crikey. They're in yeah. you know they are bought into this. Mm. They've kind of forgiving everyone for what's gone on and they're starting afresh. And it's like, a clean slate. Yeah, yeah it's yeah, a clean yeah. slate. And that roar for me was just the moment. And obviously it went on to be one of the most enjoyable seasons mm. and give respect to League One. It wasn't wasn't a walk in the park, no, but no. it was obviously won a lot of football games and, and some really good players and good guys in that team. And that was yeah, a really memorable season.
2: And we talk about the good seasons. Then you know, look, From your perspective, that League One season, potentially this season, hopefully if everything goes to plan, it's going to be one of those seasons where Again, working in those kind of environments where it's going well, it must still be, obviously it's going to be challenging because you're trying to do the best you can, but it must be nice and rewarding knowing you can see what's potentially coming at the end and then everything you kind of want to do, yeah. you can perhaps do more and more because of what's going on. Oh, definitely. And, and I think,
3: again, it's so fortunate. I mean, the, the season of the oh eight oh nine 9 promotion was my first season mm. and kind of to... Still rel- you know, still new to it, still a completely different job mm. to what I'd done before. You post your turn gamekeeper as they say, you go from working in the newspaper to working at the football mm-hmm. club, but to kind of work with Mick McCarthy that season and follow him round and, and you know, you go up in the lift with him after every home game to his press conference and you know, doing that after QPR when you've just won promotion. It's yeah. A- yeah, it's a incredible privilege and something you never forget. And mm. that'll be the same, um, I'm sure, for the guys this season. I've did half the season, mm. and they're still there. They're watching Nuno at work. They're watching his staff, the players at close quarters, and uh, you're working. But it's you know it is kind of a dream job if mm. you like. Um, And certainly over the next few weeks. Obviously, Touchwood. Hopefully, the deed will get done at some point. I'm sure it will. I can say that now. (laughs) I'm not there anymore. I'm sure it will get done. But uh, and yeah, that'll be great. Great for them to be involved in. Great for everyone at the club and Mm. the fans to be involved in. And then, as you say, the next challenge starts straight away. And you're in the Premier League. And from not just from a football point of view, from a media point of view, Mm. the stakes are straight away. The profile incredible. Even it'll be bigger oh, yeah, now yeah, than yeah. it used to be when when I worked there and um, you know the demands the broadcasting demands the demands on your facilities are you know they're unbelievable now so uh, be a new challenge but as you know it's just what yeah. if you're working in that environment and you're working in a media team you want to be working in the Premier League so yeah. that's going to be a fantastic experience.
2: And those good times it's like like say for uh, QPR for example where you get a massive pitch invasion yeah. for example or then you in your mind, you've still got to do your job and mm. get certain people to do certain media commitments. Is that... That must be... I don't want to keep saying challenging, but yeah. that must be kind of thinking, right, i have going to anticipate that this is going to happen. Yeah. I'm now going to make sure I get that person here before that happens. Yeah. And I guess also in terms of, let's take Bristol City away, for example, recent in the season, mm. where 1-0 down, anything could happen, and mm. obviously Ryan Bennett scores the winner. Yeah. In your mind, I presume you have one tact of, this is going to be the stance... If this happens, then two minutes later, the stance has completely oh, yeah, changed, yeah. and that you must have to be on your toes constantly with with all yeah. and the team with what goes on on the pitch.
3: You do, and it's 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 a strange one because, um, as I say, I'm a lifelong fan, and there's other guys in the media team who are the same. But you kind of lose that a little bit because during a game, you are thinking right. If the if the result stays like this, what's going to happen? Who's you know, which players will will speak? Because mm. not everybody will, and then the result changes quickly, and you, as you say, your kind of approach changes. And, and going back to QPR, um, yeah, I mean, there's a good two or three hours after that of interviews taking place, and mm. press requests are coming on the phone. They're coming in from the people that are at the game, and so you know you enjoy it and it's a privilege but you don't get to completely enjoy it at mm. that at that moment and then I think I remember the next day I was back at the ground um which was deserted but there were more press interviews for for different people so um but as i say you you that's what you're in the job for that's your work mm. and it is something that you'll never forget to be involved in but yeah, you're always having to think, you're a fan, you want wolves to win, you want those players you work with to do well, but at the same time, you've always got the back of your mind. Mm. How does this affect the job? How does this affect how we deal with the, with the press afterwards?
2: Let's go back to uh, press conferences. More so, We spoke about this on Twitter, so I'm just wondering if other people would be interested to know. I sent you a question about player unveilings, conf- like because oh, yeah. you don't really see player unveilings as a conference anymore. I remember... I was trying to think back about Wolves when the last one was, and maybe Roger Johnson may have been the oh, last yeah, player yeah. unveiling. Big Rog, yeah. <laughs> but then obviously, you know, with bigger teams, maybe you might get like I think I don't know if Neymar had one for, for PSG, but you just don't see that anymore. You get that obviously with the manager, but mm. I don't know from your experience, was that was that requirement just phased out, or or with, with digital now you can just quickly do a video online and, and that's kind of done really.
3: You think from a Wolves point of view, or just from a general general of point of where, view?
2: I don't know whether whether you kind of um, picked up whether it just kind of because you don't see it any, anywhere else really anymore. No. I don't know whether it's just phased out from the the business as it were. It's
3: quite yeah, it's quite interesting how we play with player signings a lot.
2: Uh, I don't think this is giving anything away,
3: but a lot of times now, um, you kind of get access to the player almost during the process of him doing not like the of, medical yeah, and stuff. Like that, yeah, you know, once once the club knows or is pretty confident that the medical is going to be passed and that the talks are going well. Uh, we'll kind of dive in do get the content ready do the video mm. interview do the photographs um, so it's then ready for that moment probably literally an hour or two later when it's about to be announced uh, and then we'll liaise with the press and pass that information mm. out but it's more difficult to perhaps get the press in because as much as we, you know, there's a really good relationship at Wolves with the press it's not if that signing then falls through for any reason as much as that information yeah. is you've getting, got to protect yeah, yourself yeah, exactly. so and the, you the information know. will get out because everything gets out mm. but They've not got access to a photograph of a guy with a wolf shirt on, mm. or uh, a video interview, and, and so yeah, there is that. And I think, um, I think maybe in the Premier League it might change. Certainly, yeah. the Championship there's far less from a wolf mm. point of view, far less media interest in that. Um, and if a new signing comes within the day or so, I'm sure he'll have spoken to the Express and Star or BBC mm. WM, and that will happen. But um,
2: I guess it's the magnitude of the player. Yeah, exactly. If it's a major yeah. player yeah. Who goes to a major team, yeah. maybe you'd get something. And
3: then I suppose if you think back to Ruben Nevers, who was big money signing and Mm. what a signing that's proved to be. His English when he arrived wasn't great. We Mm. got, you know, Mikey Burrows managed to get a couple of sentences Mm. out of him. So unless we're going to get a translator in, there wasn't really going to be much point Mm. doing that press conference and then doing it with a translator carries its own challenges. Mm. So I think... um, you know, Ruben Nevers, with his English now, were he signing for Wolves in the summer, you would do a press conference. Yeah. Um, because obviously
2: he's come in and he's learned the language, yeah, he's built that yeah. over time, so yeah.
3: But yeah, certainly I'm sure Wolves, if, um, as we hope, they'll go up and make some you know, really big signings over mm. the summer, I'd, I'd, be, I'd be more thinking that they will be trying mm. to do a press conference to kind of maximise that impact. Um, but yeah, certainly the Championship as a rule. You don't get a great deal of interest, mm. and you might get a couple of the nationals want to come along, and then it's it's all done in a in a more informal basis, really.
2: Mm. And going back to then that the player interviews, as it were, one question that people always ask, and during the season is why are certain players put up yeah. for interview and certain ones aren't? And I think maybe an example this year has been uh, before maybe before we left, you'd have people like Dave Edwards and Danny Barton, kind of Cody get put up for interviews, mm-hmm. and maybe people like Costa and Neves and Cavalera don't. Obviously so you could perhaps give the language barrier as an easy answer there, yeah, but sometimes is it that perhaps some players are you feel, to say more comfortable to the mm. media, but you know that they'll give the answers that you kind of want them to give and they're perhaps they are more comfortable in the media what 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 what's kind of like the decision process in uh, terms of
3: I think it is that it's it's com- being comfortable um I think what you say about kind of uh giving answers you want them to give mm. Probably really applies, or certainly in my experience, that applies to a bad defeat or mm, yeah, exactly, a really bad game. Yeah. That is when you would go for the players like your Connor Cody's and your Dave mm. Edwards, and you know I think back to former captains Carl Henry and Sam Ricketts, who're brilliant in those circumstances. Um, you know I still remember Sam Ricketts at Crawley. I think when we'd lost in the league one season, literally at the dressing room, he says, "Right, no one else talks." I'm taking responsibility mm. for this and that. You know, players don't queue up to do interviews. Remarkably, <laughs> it's not a surprise yeah, yeah, anyone. Yeah, yeah. But but they all know they've got to do them. So, um, well, we'd like them to do them. Yeah, but yeah. Uh, yeah, so for the, in that situation, you do look for your Danny Bart's and your Cody's mm. to. I suppose it's a safe pair of hands, and you know yeah. they're going to they're going to turn. And they're well. kind of like
2: the, the not the spokesman, but they are kind of like the the key figures. Yeah, that for those type of scenarios you you would want to go to
3: definitely and they do and they probably do get more than their fair share but like you say it's
2: down to whether they feel comfortable yeah exactly and And you don't have to force that on them to to do
3: that you know what if you force a player to do an interview it's not it's going to be no good for the person interviewing them because they're going to struggle it's no good for the player um so yeah i mean there's certain things and you do twist arms every now and again to get Mm. people to to do it every now and again and and i think the other thing you're you're always looking for is the kind of dressing room or place that as well if Mm. If, you know, footballers are pretty, um, you know, they don't hold back. If someone thinks that someone else should be doing an interview and he's not, they'll be wading in. And I think that kind of, you know, tells the story of the certain Wolves players that aren't maybe doing as many as others. Um, Their colleagues in the dressing room obviously feel, you know, it is fair enough Mm. that they're not comfortable doing it and it's, it's no good trying to force them to do it and, you know, they're contributing to the team in other areas, but...
2: And um, in your time then, who who have you worked with that you would say, you know, they were great to kind of do bits and bobs or if I needed an interview officer, I could always rely, Can I rely on that person or just in general, kind yeah, of, yeah. who were kind of great people to work with on that side? Uh, there was a lot, I think. Again, I've been fortunate at Wolves,
3: a um, lot of great players. I mean, as I say, Carl Henry. I always liked Carl because he tended to hit, you know, he hit the nail on the head, good or bad, um, and sometimes you've got to hold your hands up and, and apologise or what have you. And I think, you know, towards the end of Carl's time at Wolves, he started to get a lot of stick for doing it. But for us, I just thought he'll face the music, Sam Ricketts, same. Mm. Um, but, you know, there have been a lot of really, really good people and good personalities, and you can just, you know, list them off in terms mm. of Matt Murray, Carla Keemi, Richard and Kevin Foley, um, Sylvan Ilbanks blake was a brilliant interview. Uh, and I have to say, Jodie Craddock was always a fantastic ambassador for Wolves um, and I feel fortunate to have stayed in touch with him since he finished playing. And I'm probably missing people out now but yeah, even taking that forward to your Danny's and your Connor Cody's mm. and Dave Edwards's and and, and John Ruddy and, um, so yeah, I mean again, no you don't get players queuing up and putting their hands up because they want to do an yeah, interview but yeah. they understand it's part of the job uh, and I think they do, you know, they do enjoy I mean, Barry Douglas this year, even before I left, was getting asked to do an interview and it was the same interview every single week, you know, <laughs> Turkey and where have you. Yeah. And, but again, he's another good guy and he just did it because he knows mm. it's part of the job. So, uh, yeah, you know, I've been very lucky. Um, and I think, you know, it's, a lot of interviews are pretty... Pretty mundane, aren't it's they? It's the standard you know? kind of questions, yeah, isn't it? Yeah. Really, yeah. But uh, but now there's there's some good journalists around as well. who do get the players to open up because you do want to see a bit of the character
2: and a bit, mm. a bit of personality coming out. An interesting question now, yeah. Fan media, yes. So people like us, people and like and, and there's been a, you know we we've seen a real influx of kind of not just at Wolves but of elsewhere as well. This kind of this notion of fan media, you know we've had conversations in the past in terms of. It, it, these kind of bodies as it were are getting bigger and bigger and getting more and more of a following but there must be a a balance there that's got to be struck with the actual actual media as mm. it were mm. who have got those kind of um, those contracts to report as these these bodies get bigger how how clubs Can't deal with them, them yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it must be a weird one to
3: it's a tricky one with. and I think yeah we've spoken before and and, and, and club get a lot of requests I think yeah. from fan media and, and understandably so
2: because um, we've had honest conversations yeah. about it in the past about how it works yeah. and, and stuff like that but it must be a weird one to, to tackle
3: it is and you are in this position as I say and, and again I keep talking about the Premier League um, when you're in the Premier League the demands are going to be huge yeah. from, from rights holders Um you know, every week you're gonna to have to be putting players up, obviously the manager press conference, uh, and even beyond like rights holders, I mean Express and Star is still massive for Wolves. That relationship's mm. crucial and, you know, they've got no rights, but you wanna be giving them that's your your core audience, if you like. You've got to be looking after them and making sure they get access to what they need. So uh yeah, it is a tricky one and I don't know what the answer is. Um it's kind of uh it's almost like I think the thing with the media—they build these relationships over time with clubs, mm. with players, and with managers—and they almost know that they can't cross that line because they'll never get another interview and what mm. have you. Now, certain fan media might not. Obviously, not talking about you guys because we've always got on really well. And I think you know you treat—you've always treated the players properly when you've had mm. access to them. But some people might not. And then I guess take there's that and, there's that
2: worry of the editorial factor. Yeah. you might invite somebody in. Yeah, but then you you really don't know what they're going to no. ask. Control the environment, mm. which is what you probably could do. In a, pre- in a press conference or a press environment.
3: Yeah, no, you could. And I think, and, and, that's, and I'm certainly not wanting to cut this come across as any sort of criticism of fan media. No, I no, think no, there's no, a no. lot of brilliant ones. And again, yeah. at Wolves, you know, written blogs and podcasts. Yeah, and there's yeah. a lot of really talented people who are doing them. Uh, it's just really difficult to be able to satisfy that need. Mm. Um, I mean, one... One idea I'd had, and it never quite came off, was to just do a, a day of pre-season where you invite these groups in um, mm. and put two or three players in front of them. Um, I can't remember, never quite came off. But again, finding enough players to be able to satisfy the demands of that that media, mm. and then finding some more is is difficult. Um, and I think a lot of the fan the fan content, it's almost. Do you lose a bit of your kind of independence if you then start? you know, jumping into bed with a club from time to time. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's again, a tricky one to kind of handle, but I think what I certainly would say is to anyone that's, that's doing it, it gets seen, you know, it gets read, mm. it gets listened to hundred um, percent. And that's the beauty, I think, of the digital age now mm. where football clubs, certainly the, the good ones and, and, when I was in the media and us as a department, we looked at everything. You listened mm. to everything. I guess it's um, a new form of feedback, oh, now, yeah, isn't 100%. it, to kind of get
2: a real-time yeah. what's going on and what people are thinking. I
3: mean, three or four years ago, you had to sort of look in a letters column in the paper or, you know, we had a support agent officer that was answering emails all mm. day, but we don't get emails anymore now. And literally, you just see everything. Um, <clears throat> you can put a tweet out and within seconds, you, you know, within 10 minutes, you know yeah. how that piece of news or, or campaign is, has been mm. received. So I think... Um, you know, I'm sure there's fan groups out there that maybe have tried and, and not managed to get any access to players mm. or managers, but they're still churning out some really, really good content, and it does get seen, mm. and uh, certainly by the press department, and then it'll get passed on higher up if 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 they kind of feel that's merited. So, mm. um, and I do, yeah, it's becoming more and more part of the game, isn't mm. it? And I think it, it will continue to be so. Uh, I guess we just have to kind of wait and see and
2: see how yeah, that, that works yeah. out, so whether, you know... Whether- do clubs embrace it more, yeah, exactly. do they try yeah, to yeah, do yeah. it,
3: that'll open up more challenges, but mm. then it's a really good kind of engagement tool, isn't it? Mm. So, uh yeah, I mean the fans' parliament has kind of turned into a, a bit of that, yeah, hasn't it? Now exactly, there's different yeah. people now going and and putting their own minutes out, which is great. Again, mm. it's um, it's that direct direct access to sort of top people at the club, which mm. I'm not sure many clubs do that. And Wolves are still doing that, which I think. we Walls were one of the them.
2: first ones to do it. From
3: what fairly I remember, fairly sure. Yeah, I mean it was before I I started there, but I'm fairly sure Wolves were the first club to almost certainly call call it a fans' parliament and perhaps mm. to have those regular meetings and to. I mean, certainly, I think every meeting from its its start, you've pretty much had Jez Moxie there mm. and then you've had Laurie there. Um, you know, there won't, so I don't think there's been a meeting without either your chief executive or your mm. managing director there, which I think is a huge credit to them um, mm. because over that time, it's been the roller coaster ride of, yeah. of good and bad for, you know, both Jez and Laurie have had to deal with good times and not so good times. Yeah, and you imagine,
2: again, turning up to the bad times. Well, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
3: But uh and again they've never shrunk from that and I think and again, you know, you see across message boards and what have you that sometimes the fans parliament I think gets a bit of a bit of a raw deal. But mm. I've I've never seen a meeting the one where the tough questions haven't been asked, mm. you know, and, and the answers might not be what certain people want to hear, but mm. they've always fronted up and other senior people at the club have fronted up. Um and I think that's a huge credit. And again, hopefully that continues, but in terms of kind of fan... You know, fan content growing. I think it is going to continue to grow, mm-hmm. and it is going to be interesting to see how how clubs deal with yeah. it. And again, I'm not sure. No. I'm not sure what the answer is because, as a club, you'd love to be able to to, to give fans access to yeah. players more and, and to keep that real. Because the more kind of football moves on, and people talk about the relationship not quite being there, don't they, with mm. players and managers being being more distant, and yet it's not like that. The players are still happy to kind of, for the most part, mm. engage with supporters. It's just how. How you actually make that happen, really?
2: And do you have any kind of favourite memories from being there? Obviously, the promotions would be a key one, but there's any kind of things that happened over the time that you just kind of sticks with you. or certain people, in players, um, or matter all people that you ever had to work with. Problems.
3: There's a question. It's been a, it's been a long time. Uh, I think there's a lot of players. You know, players probably who I've kept in touch with them. You know, from the early days, if you like and, Hopefully I'm not stalking him by keeping in touch with but no a lot you meet a lot of good people, um a lot of really funny people. I mean Kevin Macdonald is, you know, yeah, still one of the funniest people I've ever met and, and you know, he was great to work with and him and kind of the double acts, if you like, him and Matt Doherty were was just hilarious yeah. together and, and then Bennick and Matt Doherty in the first time and I'm sure they're still still really close now. But yeah, a lot of um a lot of really good moments. It's kind of difficult to think off, off the top of your head, but you go through everything, the good times and the bad times. Um, you know, I think back. I mentioned Mick McCarthy, who kind of, you know, absolute great person to work for. Mm. Unbelievable. knew every every member of the staff at Walls. Even know who they were. If he saw you, whoever you were, he'd have a chat with you and he'd mm. know you because that was what he he made in his business, and that's what he thought yeah. the club should be. Um, but obviously, dealing with him after matches, sometimes after a, a tough uh, a tough game, was mm. Difficult and the lift at Wolves is the slowest lift you've ever seen. You have to go up two floors and it must yeah. take about three or four minutes and trying to find the right words mm. for Mick after a tough game is difficult and sometimes the right words are not at all. But I think there was one game I remember where we'd lost at home to Portsmouth and it was a pretty it was the early days of a Premier League season, it was all a little bit tense and I kind of, I sort of stood side onto him and I kind of lent my hand back as he did the same thing mm. and we ended up kind of almost holding hands <laughs> on the uh, on the side and that kind of, he just burst out laughing and it diffused the tension yeah. but I'll always kind of remember that moment um, in a strange way. Uh, <laughs> it sounds even stranger when you tell the story but yeah, yeah no, a lot of really good times and, and, and good people um, and you know, it is, you work with these, with these guys and you just want them to be successful really. Mm. It doesn't matter who you support.
2: Um, supporting Wolves is a bonus but Uh, hopefully we'll wrap things up shortly on this just a couple more questions really firstly kind of going back to the media side with with the team you kind of get get this sense with football as well that media teams at clubs are perhaps taking back in some ways or having more ownership of their content now compared to the relationship before (coughs) again is there kind of a in in your experience is there a balance still to be struck mm. in terms of obviously the media can they've got all these people who've got these talents they can perhaps bring in people who used to be journalists for mm. example and kind of therefore know how things work but i guess there's still going to be that balance potentially with the press to make sure that you're not almost being too biased mm. towards the club no i agree the... with,
3: agree with you 100% and i think um it is going to be as time goes on again it's another massive challenge for football because yeah. You know, I've had a foot in both camps. I've worked on the media side and I've worked on the football PR side, and and I just still think it's massively important to have those relationships Mm. with the media, and to, um, you know, for many different reasons, the kind of the circuit it widens your circulation to start mm. with you know not everybody's going to look at the wall's website or look at the wall's social media mm-hmm. there is still people that will buy newspaper or listen to the radio or yeah. buy national paper so you really need to get and, and for profile as well you yeah people will just people will just go to the express
1: and sale exactly. website just to get their yeah. news yeah
3: and but and i think um the most important thing though for me still is that you've got to be there's got to be that independence to it and you've got to be open to critical kind of scrutiny if you mm. like you can't just um you can't just do your own thing all the time and, and, and expect fans to accept that, and it's not right that they should. You know, mm. you can't just put your own, uh, you know, slant, your own club slant on everything, and and I think that's important. And again, even even as I say, doing the club content at Wolves, especially when we went through those those difficult times, um, when we did things with say Jez or Kevin Thelwell in those times, um, Mikey Burrows, who you know for me is one of the best interviewers out there that there is. We he did the interviews for the club. He didn't hold back, mm. Um and they weren't rehearsed. He would kind of, you know, the Jez and Kev would know vaguely what was coming, mm. but you know, Mikey went for them in a, in a way where they were almost like, wow, yeah, you know, it's almost like facing the media, and that for us, you know, that was what we thought we had, we, we should be doing because yeah. we should be answering the difficult. You've questions. got to be honest, exactly. If people, yeah. if
2: people are going to be asking these questions, we can't just kind of shy no, away from them. You
3: can't just do a you know trot out a PR exercise, and I think. You know, to a degree, some of those club interviews are probably harder and fiercer mm. sort of line of questioning than the, than the media ones at the same time. So I still think, you know, it's vitally important that your your key people, you know, the MD, um, players, head coaches, are still always going to have that, that scrutiny mm. from them to do the press conference, to do the interviews. Um, and I think you know the top people at walls, I think, are of that opinion. And if you look at Jeff Shee, I think the last two interviews he's done, he spoke to the Express and Star and he's not Mm. spoke to the club. Mm. You know, he obviously sees that independence as something that's important. So, um, yeah, I think you do find clubs that might draw in a little bit, Mm. but Wolves have never been like that. Um, Hopefully, for those reasons, I don't think, you know, hopefully they won't be like Mm. that. And I don't think with the people that are there at the moment... Um, they're happy to face that scrutiny, and yeah. they know how important it is to face that scrutiny.
2: Final question: It's a question we'll ask at the end of every one of these podcasts. Is where do you see sports media, football media, how do you call it? How, where do you see that going in the next decade? Where how, do you see any kind of? Not transition, but kind of see what developments or changes do you think you might see in that world? For example, if you were still um, there at Wolves, where do you think it might have all been going in terms of, I don't know, press relationships, mm. how interviews are done, digital content, where where, where do you kind of see it going? Wow. Yeah. The bigger picture. The hardest question of all, actually, yeah. anyway.
3: <laughs> yeah, I think it's difficult because if you look back from, as I say what we've talked about earlier, my sort of 10 years at Wolves, the changes have been... Astronomical mm. in that time, and who knows? You know, who knows what'll happen. I think probably as we've alluded, to, there will be those challenges where clubs might want to start sort of doing their own broadcasting deals. Mm. Maybe obviously doing you know live streamings now becoming mm. a big thing. Where's that going to go? Um, yeah, more and more. Will there be more and more control? Clubs will want to take over interviews and not not allow so many of the of the of the press in. Mm. Uh, it's. Uh, it's you know it's a blank sheet of paper for me. It's a really mm. difficult question to answer. Um, obviously, there are some great great things that have come with the digital age, and you look at the content that clubs are producing, mm. and the stuff that the guys at Walls are producing, and I think that's you know that's come on leaps and bounds over the last sort of four, four or five years, and we'll continue to do so, I'm sure, as more and more technology comes in in in, in the world of digital. But um, yeah, difficult question. Not really sure I've answered it, but it's certainly. <laughs> uh, <laughs> It's one to think about and I think, as I say, I just hope that it retains that level of sort of independence and mm. of scrutiny and that fans, you know, fans are the most important thing and everyone knows that and you don't want to see fans taking for a ride and uh, certainly at Walls I think they really will be trying to just keep things as they are, make use of, of new developments but, you know, just make football accessible, make everyone as accessible and mm. as approachable as they can and, uh, yeah, see where those 10 years take us really.
1: At Parker, our purpose is simple.